0: Hello and welcome as you join us on Search for Truth, your Bible teaching program with Brian Johnston. Thanks for tuning in. If you've been following this series called A Very Good Place to Begin, Brian's been looking into the main principles of belief in the gospel message or God's good news to the human race. Over the last three weeks, Brian's looked into these principles firstly repentance and then salvation and the deity of Christ. Since God is three Persons, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, as we know, this time we're looking at the person and work of the Holy Spirit. So, now here's Brian with today's Bible study.
1: Thanks, John. Have you felt the wind blowing against your face? Well, yes, of course. So you know the wind is real. But have you ever seen the wind itself? Have you grabbed hold of it in your hand? No, of course you haven't. What's the point of these questions? Well, only that Jesus described the work of the Holy Spirit to be like the work of the wind. And it's the person and work of the Holy Spirit that we want to briefly and biblically explore in this study. There's a part of the Bible book of Acts that's informative in this connection. It's describing a serious and solemn error that occurred when the practice of Christianity was still a new phenomenon. Although our English translations describe the earliest Christian believers as having all things in common, this clearly didn't mean that they lived in a commune with everything shared and with no such thing as private property. No, but what was striking about their togetherness by the grace of God was that if anyone among them had any need, their more affluent brothers and sisters gave assistance, sometimes by selling their personal possessions to help supply the need of others in the Christian community. At the end of the fourth chapter of the book of Acts, we have the example of Barnabas, who did exactly that. His giving was done with transparent sincerity before the Lord, who is, of course, the supreme giver. However, it wasn't always like that. As we now read in Acts chapter 5, But a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property, but kept back some of the proceeds for himself, with his wife's full knowledge, and bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. And as he heard these words, Ananias collapsed and died, and great fear came over all who heard about it. The young men got up and covered him up, and after carrying him out, they buried him. As the Apostle Peter explained to this Christian brother, known to us as Ananias, if he'd donated only part of the proceeds of his sale, that would have been perfectly fine. That was his decision after all. But he decided to tell a lie and to make out that he was selflessly giving all the proceeds of his sale for the benefit of others, when in fact he wasn't. Notice Peter began by explaining that Ananias not so much lied to the apostles, but to the Holy Spirit. Some falsely teach that the Holy Spirit is an impersonal force. Think about it. Can you tell a lie to the wall of your house? Of course not. But can you tell a lie to your wife? Yes, sadly, that is possible. What's the difference? It's because your wife is a person, but the wall is not. You can't lie to a lifeless thing or to a mere abstract influence, as some cults claim that the Holy Spirit is. Ananias lied to the Spirit, so he's truly a person. All the elements of personality can be detected in scriptures that clearly apply to him. For example, Romans chapter eight twenty-seven talks about his mind when it speaks of the mind of the Spirit. Ephesians 4 and verse 30 informs us that he has feelings when it advises us not to grieve the Spirit of God. While 1 Corinthians 12 verse 11 mentions the fact that he has a will. He does or gives as he wills. And so we see from all these elements of personality belonging to the Spirit of God that he's most definitely a person with a mind feelings, and a will. But he's just not any person. If we return to the story of Ananias, we remember reading that Peter says the Holy Spirit is God. How is that? Well, Peter says that by lying to the Holy Spirit, Ananias had in actual fact lied to God. We can plainly therefore conclude from this that the Holy Spirit is God. Putting it all together, this section at the beginning of Acts chapter 5 makes it perfectly plain that the Holy Spirit is a divine person, a member of the Godhead, that is, one of the Trinity composed of three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When Jesus died on the cross to substitute his life for all who believe on him, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 9.14 that he, Jesus, the Son, offered himself to God, the Father, through the Eternal Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit. The only being who is eternal is God. This is why Hebrews 9 and 14 describes the Holy Spirit as the Eternal Spirit, someone who is present everywhere and all-knowing. That last point is drawn from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, where we read that we've received That's we who are believers have received the Spirit of God. As it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the human heart, all that God has prepared for those who love him. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among people knows the thoughts of a person except the Spirit of the person that is in him? so also the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now, we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. We also speak these things, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural person, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. But the one who is spiritual discerns all things, yet he himself is discerned by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Wonderfully then, Christian believers are already able to know what unbelievers are in no position to know. Christ's followers can know the thoughts of God himself because the Bible tells us the Spirit of God lives inside them. This is due to the Spirit of God searching the depths of God. The Spirit has no need to do that in order to discover anything for himself, for he's God, as we've seen. No, he does it so as to communicate them to us. Our Lord Jesus spoke of how the Spirit would help us in this way back in John chapter 14. Jesus said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper so that he may be with you forever. The helper is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he remains with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. On that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I in you. The one who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me, and the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will reveal myself to him. Jesus answered and said, If anyone loves me, he will follow my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our dwelling with him. John 14, verses 16 to 23. Considering that in Romans chapter 8 we find the Spirit of God described as the Spirit of Christ and as the Spirit of the Father, one writer has written that the Spirit is the person in whom the Father and the Son meet one another. There may be a sense in which that's true, as they also meet with Christian believers in the Holy Spirit who indwells them. Our Lord Jesus spoke of the experience of his followers after Pentecost. He described how the Spirit of God would be dwelling in their midst, but also dwelling by their side and even dwelling within them. When we come to verses 21 and 23 of John chapter 14, we find the love of the Father and the Son realised in the Spirit. Father and Son come and are face to face towards the believer, and they remain by his or her side. Father and Son, in and through the Spirit, remain by the side of those who keep themselves in the love of God. It's a felt, close, intimate relationship told out in the various different prepositions in the original text of our Bibles. This is the true fruit of Pentecost, it's about knowing intimate union with Christ and day-by-day day communion with God that's based on that. Of course, the Bible not only says believers are indwelt by the Spirit of God in Romans 8 and 9, but when they are born of the Spirit, John 3, verses 3 to 5, they are also baptised in the Spirit, 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen, And that means they become eternal members of the church, which is the body of Christ, and sealed with the spirit to indicate ownership and security, Ephesians 1 and 13.
0: Thanks, Brian. I hope, like me, you enjoyed the study. If you've got any questions, Brian's always pleased to chat with you. Just write in to search for truth, sft, at churchesofgod.info. Another valuable resource is the transcript book of all the talks in this series. Let me remind you how you can freely receive a copy. Firstly, it's available online and you can obtain one by downloading a copy from churchesofgod.info forward slash media. Alternatively, you could write to us and request a hard copy book to be posted to you. Just ask for the title, A Good Place to Begin. And don't forget to include your postal address so we know where to send it. You can use email or the post and here's our address. Search for Truth. Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton bassett Swindon, sn 8 dy UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. Many thanks once more for the pleasure of your company today and please join me again next time for another study when Brian will be looking into the Bible at the eternal security of our salvation in Christ. But for now, it's goodbye. Very best wishes from Brian, from David, from our singers and me, John. See you again soon. And in the meantime, we wish you God's richest blessings. Peace.